1: From the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That, 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 that's some interdimensional shit. <laughs> Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Are you ready to get your mind blown? Revolution be is- And welcome to Tim Hat. You know who I am. You know what I'm here to do. I'm here to rock. Bam! Bum, 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 That's right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, this is a very special episode, right? But you just know that if you want to see us live, you go to samtripley.com, okay? And you can get all my tour dates. A very special shows tomorrow night, Tuesday night. It will be at the main room. It is Absolute Extract. That's abx.org presents... Comedy Chaos live in the main room. Uh, if you love weed, you love vape pens, you love sucking on robot dicks, right? You like some of that weed for your Vijay J ladies, get that vagina high as a motherfucker. Just go to abx.org and use the promo code chaos and you get 20% off, okay? All your purchases. They are the they are the top shelf of all your weed companies and they support our live show. We got Burt Crusher, Ari Shafir, uh, who else do we got? We got Jeff. Die. we got, you name it, it's a packed show, two shows, one at 8, one at 10, 30. And then this Friday, guys, in Las Vegas, it is uh, Fear and Adrenochroming live at the Backstage Bar and Billiards. Uh, just go to SamTrippley.com, grab those tickets, Eddie Bravo, myself, XG, who loves giraffes, okay, and um, Tino Sanchez and Trez Mala from the Think, Think Stopper podcast will all be there. Today's show, which is a very special show, trust me, you're going to love this, is brought to you by our good friends at Manscaped. Manscaped supports the tinfoil hat. Uh, just come uh, comes from Manscaped, go, the, who is the number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family. That's right, dude, see, I have one like shavir has got one nut, I got like one weird like weird kind of pyramid nut, okay, It's a powerful nut, right, but i gotta I gotta get in there i got listen, dude, I got six inches, okay, and if I gain ten pounds, I lose one of those inches, so I have to shave every all right down, and I do this weird kind of thing where I like. I put this little strip above it, so it looks like I got about three more inches. So chicks goes, wow, it's a 10-inch dick, and it's like really a 6-inch dick. But they don't know that. And how come? My good friends at Manscaped. They are tripping. Dude, I've tried to. I've tried to nick my nuts. I went out of my way. I just jabbed it in there, tried to go like weird, like, you know, uh, Halloween. On <coughs> my like, nuts can't get it because it's that advanced of technology, okay? So what I want you guys to do I want you guys to go to manscaped.com, and you'll get 20% off plus free shipping if you use the promo code TINFOILHAT, okay? It's the best way to trim your nuts. Guess what, guys? Girls are down there. They're eating balls. They're licking ass, and that you need to trim the fucking, the just the basic jungle down there. Nothing's worse than a smelly set of balls. And if you get rid of all that shrubbery down there, boom, you're Augusta. You are the greens of the greatest golf course ever. Thanks to our good friends at Manscape. Now listen, guys, today's show is a very special show. Me, the whole crew, XG, Johnny was down, and we went to we went backstage to our good friends. Immortal Technique, and uh, we did a nice interview for him, with him, excuse me, I have had a lot of coffee, uh, so go, enjoy the, enjoy the uh, episode, and uh, I know I had a great time, uh, he is a very, very smart man, so I hope you enjoy, please enjoy Immortal Technique. Revolution will be well, man, we are here at the Regent Theater in downtown Los Angeles with the man, the myth, the legend, Immortal Technique. Thank you so much for coming on Tinfoil Thank Hat, you, man. Sam. I
0: appreciate you, man. Where, where Eddie Bravo at, man? Where the fuck is he at today?
1: I, I'll bring him next time, dude. <laughs> gotta come I'll bring, bring him. him. We'll talk bring some flat down. earth, man. Uh, well, I got to tell you, man, one of my big uh, pleasures is when I go on the Instagram and I see you drop a couple comments on our Instagram. <laughs> yes, what's up? So. It's the little joys in life, man, so I appreciate you doing this. Thank you, man. Uh, congratulations on your show and your tour, man. Uh, I know you were here at the region. Where else you going and where can our fans find out where you're playing?
0: Uh, They could check me out at ViperRecords.com. And as you know, on Instagram, Tech Immortal, Facebook, Tech Immortal. Uh, Twitter is uh, Immortal Tech. Oh yeah, and uh, YouTube, Technique Tuesdays. I got a new series, so please log on and subscribe. And uh, yeah, just in general, been an amazing blessing to be able to continue touring, uh, go around the United States of America for the 28th time, you know what I mean? I've been all over, and, you know, this is an interesting tour because we're previewing new music that people have not really never heard before, and at the same time, you know, we're giving them the music they always love, and also a lot of songs that I don't always perform, so people are excited to hear the shit that they don't always get to hear from me.
1: What now? You know, I've been going to a lot of concerts lately, and you know, I just saw Tool at the Staples Center. What is like? And we'll get into some, uh, you know, what's going on in the world. But as an artist, like stand up, they want to see new stuff all the time. Yeah. But when you go see your favorite live, like musical act, you want to see some hits. So what is that kind? Like what is it? Like two for them, one for you, or? <laughs> That's uh, no, you know what?
0: No, it's that's was actually something I had to consider in the planning of the tour. You know what I mean? Like, because I looked at the, the the sheet that we had, and I'm like, listen, we could put a bunch of new stuff in here, but I get it. They haven't heard it a hundred times, so instead of them being wilding out to it, they're going to be struggling to hear every bar, every metaphor, every simile, because. Everything that I do is laced with that. And trust me, they're going to miss a lot of Easter eggs in the shit that we do tonight. Because we're up there talking about generally, you know, really, really important stuff. There's some humorous aspect to it. There has to be. You know what I mean? Like, in terms of people um, coming out of the gate and making other people uncomfortable definitely that was one of the biggest things that I did with music. I remember when people talk about other people being triggered or people being a snowflake, I mean, I always laugh because I'm like, yo, bro, I wrote the song Obnoxious. Like, if you read that bar for bar, we're going in on people. Like, you know what I mean? The first record that I ever had, I said, you're like Kevin Spacey, your style is usually suspect. We were talking about R. Kelly back in 2003, right? We were saying, you know, what is it? It goes, I'm the best of both worlds without the hidden camera and the 12 year old girl and it's like bro we were talking about these sickos and this shit going on because i think a lot of times people don't understand that um in the hood we hear about these things way more than mainstream media and for a long time the hood has been the amplifier for what you've done and what other people that are in your lane are doing by giving light to stories that maybe some people will say okay well i don't agree with this this may be out of left field, but a large majority of the stuff that I see is based on something, right? Like, for example, I'll give you an example of something that that fits that to a T. So for those of you that don't know, I didn't just go to Afghanistan to do uh, the work that I do. I went to lots of other countries. We did a program in Colombia when I was down there that used uh, like drumming and music to get kids off of what they call pasta, which is when they sniff glue and other stuff like that. Very addictive uh, when they would take like the markers and put them in a bag and smell them because it took away the hunger. Um, but I also went to Haiti. And one incredible thing that I heard when I was in Haiti is that I did um, I did a concert with Wyclef and with uh, Styles P of the Locks and my brother Cormega. So we were sitting in these really like hard rap dudes, and I saw the way they were affected by the poverty and misery they saw in Haiti. But well, one thing that was interesting is that we did a big, big festival in the street, uh, Port au Prince with uh, Wyclef. And there were other independent artists there. And one of the artists, they had a song, or not like, not just like a song, but it was like a chant, a part of a joint. And it said, Où est les enfants? Which in French means, Where are the children? Where are the kids at? And they said, Où est les enfants? Um, and the crazy part is they were talking about in their music how people were stealing children. Bam! And it was nuts. And I was like, why is no one listening to these people? They say, oh, these phony charities are coming down here and people are stealing kids. And only until a year later did the mainstream media barely pick up on it and say, hey, you know what, this is just sickness. This is obviously something that was happening. Yes, it's true. But yet the people told you from day one that this was going on. Like they were going straight to the to the, to the individuals that saw this. And when I asked them about it, you know, they were like, yeah, we saw people with uniforms that were from this agency and that agency. And you're talking about rescuing people. But all of a sudden Then the kids disappear And we know They didn't die So what happened And then of course Like I said A year later On a mainstream media They came out And they said yes uh, People that work For NGOs And so and so Kidnap children Clean Global Initiative right. I mean, see a lot of that I think it's It's, it's a very interesting uh, Twist Because In some places You'll find it Being like a Neoliberal organization And then in some places You'll see that it's done By the church Which You know what I mean? I I always tell people in Latin America, the church represents like the ultra conservative factions, like the people that would be behind Trump. Right. And I always explain to people that whether or not people accept it or not, um, when you talk about people who don't want to debate things or, oh, the left doesn't want to debate things. I try to uh, have a like a far back understanding of a duopoly that I see in the country. So I say, you know, okay, yeah, the left doesn't want to debate things sometimes, but there's literally no debate with a right-wing religious zealot. For sure. And it's just nuts, because when we have these conversations with people, imagine this. How hard was it to expose the Catholic Church here in the United States? Imagine how much harder it is to expose them in Peru, Colombia, where the separation of church and state is even more, like, meshed together, where they have so much more political power. So I think, for me, um, you know, I try to look at things and see where both sides are trying to, like, punch each other, and yet protect themselves, because it really, the the duopoly has a boxing match, and unfortunately the people get caught in the middle, and being from Peru and growing up uh, during the time of like a right-wing dictatorship, and then you had, um, you know, Maoist guerrillas that they were at war with, I remind people, that's how I got introduced to the phrase false flag terrorism, right? Now we hear that phrase a lot, yeah. and it would be the military that would say, you know what, I, these people are gaining support of the people. And why wouldn't they? Because the guerrillas provide like, housing, provide uh, uh, food to individuals that are getting taxed by a government that they've never met before, right? That They're like, huh, I live in the mountains or I live in La Selva. Why would I give these people tax money? I'd never see them. So in return, what they would do is bombard an institution, blow up something, and it would just be like, okay, now we'll blame these people. Not to say that the Shining Path or what other uh, uh, groups at that particular time were responsible f- weren't responsible were responsible for bombings. Right. But the f- idea of false flag terrorism came about because they wanted to push them over the edge even farther yeah. and say we want to turn the entire country against them. And one interesting thing about that is... Um, <laughs> Uh, people can look it up themselves because I know your, your, your fan base is super research heavy. So there, there's a guy. No, so true story. That's what I like about being on shit like this. If I say something, they're going to go find it. So in Peru, we have a guy called Vladimiro Montesinos. And now we're all going to get in trouble. Uh, Vladimiro Montesinos was a CIA agent yeah. who masqueraded uh, as if he was like a functional part of this government, uh, a right-wing government uh, run by Alberto Fujimori in Peru. And basically, he would go and uh, bribe government officials with cash. And he was caught on camera. And you can find him on YouTube. you know, And there's pictures now where he's giving people money and doing stuff like that. But what was interesting is that when well, you see uh, Fujimori's development as a candidate come up, you see him in all these rural areas in Peru, giving away money, building a road, building a well. Politicians never did that up at the time. That wasn't a new political strategy. Well, who did he learn that from, Right. Who else goes to some random place and does some nice things for the people, builds them a little medical center in return for stuff like that? Cartels, bro. And what the fucking funniest thing that people didn't recognize is that when Fujimori came into office, he had two basic problems, right? He had a gigantic, uh, uh, basically left-wing uprising because people were tired of the fake austerity. They were tired of the so-called, oh, uh, 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 how, how do they call them? Uh, a respectability politics that the religious uh, part of the country was expressing when people were starving. And at the same time, they said to themselves, well, we have also a drug crisis. Because in Peru, you've never heard the phrase Peruvian drug lord. And now we're getting into real deep trouble. Because, <laughs> you, But we've all heard the phrase in the American lexicon right. of Hollywood, yes. uh, uh, Colombian drug lord. Yep. Colombia, cocaine, newsflash. Peru moves more than 30% more cocaine then Columbia. And the reason that they don't, they don't get the news that much is because their cartel had a direct deal with the American cartel. Yep. And ladies and gentlemen, the American cartel isn't run by anybody that looks like me, right? It's not run by a, a, a Latino guy with a sombrero and a fucking mustache. It's run <laughs> by like a clean cut white dude that has friends on both sides of the aisle that controls the ability to process plant, that makes money off of illegal drugs and legal drugs. And when I tell people stuff like that, I said, well, Fujimori took the advice of some people in the military at that particular time and said, okay, I'll make a deal with these drug dealers. And at the same time, we'll go after these left-wing guerrillas and everything will be the same and we'll we'll flush it over. But I think any imbalance that was created at that particular time uh, caused for some kind of just horrific, rampant abuse to the point where they were sterilizing women in the Andes, right? And you have to ask yourself, like, what part of anti communisms that? Like, no, you're abusing places and you're, you're, you're torturing people and then you're using the guise of anti-communism, which I warn Americans. Yeah, you can say whatever you want in your mind about being mad that people have free health care or shit like that while the rest of the world has it. But in other countries, that left versus right paradigm is played out very differently to the point that they say, okay, well, we can excuse the assassination of somebody because of their political beliefs. You look at, Colombia, where, you know, six presidential candidates were assassinated in like the year 2000. And I think that the, the type of violence that occurs there is very much like what we see, only that ours is publicized more. So it's not so much that, oh, America's becoming a third world. No, America, you want to talk about socialism? Yeah, America has socialism for corporations. Oh, harsh yeah, for capitalism sure. for everybody else. And as a return idea, going back and looking at it, we in the revolutionary community have always said to our ourselves, look, Marx, for whatever he contributed to the political game, that is not the beginning of our revolution. That's another European dude from the 1800s that came to the dark jungles of Latin America and Africa to teach us the complex concept of sharing. You know, we knew what collectivism was for thousands of years. But again, these are, are entities that were structured as if they were um, opposing figures when they were really... Um, very, very much alike, in the sense that the Democratic Party is a party of business that yeah. masquerades as a party of human rights and civil rights, although they may have some icons and some people that really want to make change in that way, and the party they 're dominated by that particular sphere, whereas the Republican Party is a party of business uh, right that masquerades as it 's it's a party of religious uh, uh, family values you know, constitutionalism when those things never uh over o- supersede whatever comes before business business will always come before that and then you know that becomes evident within you know what we see in terms of how everything is structured. Now, whether or not someone thinks that just because you know a game show host became president that that means that this person is now totally committed to changing the power structure of it, the power structure is not going to change because of one individual. The power structure only changes when the country is begins, begins a complete economic downfall. In other words, empires don't fail because we lose wars. Sam, we haven't won a war since World War II. You For know sure, mean? dude. So empires fail when people stop believing in them. And I feel like we're at a point and we see the, the division in the United States because less and less people believe in the centralized government, whether it comes from a left-wing or a right-wing perspective. And I think that you know, when you look at it and when you see that the, the, the whole premise of the gospel right and re- religion itself is in the hands of people who had have absolutely no empathy and don't really live by the teachings of Christ see i i, I was born as a christian so i read the bible when i was a very little kid right and I, I just dawned on me that you know the moment after any holy book is taken out of the hands of that particular prophet or the person who pushed it it always falls into the hands of lesser men that want to
1: use it to make money for sure you know, we have it with the three books. We talk about it. You know, these three books are inserted into these religions: the Talmud, the uh, the Quran, and the Bible. That move. The religion in a different way. Who wrote those those books? But I want to talk to you about, you brought up some stuff about, you know, they're looking at Colombia when Peruvia's moving stuff. You know, you see that in the 80s here. Everybody's watching Florida, Miami, where all the cocaine's going into Arkansas. That's where all the real stuff's going on, okay? When you watch what's going on in Venezuela right now, what is your thought? I mean, like, the yeah. CIA is mm-hmm. like what is a world like without the CIA what is latin america <laughs> like without the CIA
0: i mean all right I've, i for those people who don't know i went to i went to venezuela twice um and actually when the last time I was in Peru, I met a lot of Venezuelans that had left Venezuela and they're in Peru now. Uh, Peru allowed uh, over 900,000 people, almost a million people to come with absolutely no visa. They just have to have a functioning passport. And it's because, not, not because of Peru's relationship with the United States, but they just looked at it as a humanitarian mission. And also, uh, I think there's less of a racial tinge involved in uh, the type of of immigration crisis that they have there so they still see people as if they're latino people who are in struggling fashion you know what i mean whereas i think it's very difficult for people to say that immigration concerns in this country aren't somehow in some way shape or form tied to uh race in some way like i had a long conversation with joe rogan and that's why i wanted eddie to be here now when it's one thing to talk about um you know, the resources that a government has. It's another thing when you subscribe to the philosophy of a browning of America, whereas you don't want certain people to come into the country, because then you're living off the base idea that the default uh, race for an American is a white European. And it's not. The default race for an American was supposed to be anyone. However is it not true that the founding fathers designed their system for them and not for anybody else? So you're caught in that crux, which is why I always laugh when people, you know, they hit me up and they're like, oh, look at this. This is so true. And I'm just like, well, part of it's true, but also mixed into it are a series of lies that affect the the, the premise of the idea itself. So back to Venezuela. Um, When I first went there, Hugo Chavez was in charge, right? And while there were a lot of concerns with the government, People were eating. There was a surplus of food. Wherever we went, man, people welcomed us with open arms. I did a conference, uh, which was like a global conference. And uh, I performed in between China and North Korea. Uh, Yo, let me tell you something. These girls in North Korea, they were kicking their legs in the air like the Rockettes. They had super strong steps. And they sang a song about how great Kim Jong-il at the time was. And I was just like... Yo, what the hell is going on? And then, like, they brought me on and they're like representing the United States of yes. America. And I'm like, God damn, yo. <laughs> I, I, they just try to have a coup in here yeah. and they bringing me on as the representative of the United States. Oh, they're like, shit. born in Peru but I can talk and rap in Spanish so I did this song called Golpe de Estado which is about just corruption in general and I was asking them you know, quien mueve mas cocaína, la guerrilla o los militares con la CIA right so I said who moves more cocaine is it really the guerrillas or is it the military and the CIA that are dedicated to that um, so I, I, I think that when I went back there after Chavez and the Maduro regime Uh, had taken place. I saw a lot more of a dilapidated state. I saw a lot more of an infrastructure that was missing. And if you want me to be totally honest, at the conference that I was at, there were a gigantic faction of socialist people. And within that faction, about half of them said, listen, I'm dedicated to this idea because I think it'll help the people, not because I'm a Chavista. They were saying, after Chavez, what happens if he doesn't set up an infrastructure? (laughs) And again, when you don't listen to the voice of the people, they were saying, hey, all this oil money is great to give away to people. We have a lot of national solidarity with other countries, but what we should be doing with this money is building an infrastructure for the country. You know what I mean? Similar to the way Eisenhower said, hey, man, we have to build an infrastructure, all these roads the highway system that we have is not because it's convenient for you to fucking get one place to another. It was invented so that we could resist an invasion and move tanks and large military equipment from one place to another. So there was no infrastructure building in Venezuela. Either the money was laundered, it was blatantly stolen uh, or there were parties unknown that decided to take and it's the same thing siphoned it off to some other government program so when i asked the people from venezuela and i said you know honestly and i asked a wide array of people people from the quote unquote left quote unquote right and i I just wanted to get their kind of take on it and basically what they said to me sam is you know during the age of chavez there were politicians who stole yeah but they gave something back to the community. And now we're in a regime where people steal and they don't give anything back to the community.
1: Left and right. And I
0: think that it's 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 become a very drastic measure because if there was some kind of concern or some understanding of building an infrastructure within the country, then you would have had the opportunity to be able to confront that straight up and say, okay, well, now we can avoid food shortages. Although I think that whatever misery occurs to the people of Venezuela and the people of Cuba is something the United States is willing to live with because they want to like, crush them into into capitulation. And giving think,
1: up the resources. Right,
0: giving up the resources. Drink their milk the oil. Check. But I think also, you know, that extends itself to places that we've never seen before or never looked at in in terms of not just resources, but in terms of a strategic location. Like, take Afghanistan, for example. Like, what people don't tend to realize is that Afghanistan borders China. And remember, during the time when we were there... The Chinese acted very differently than when we started leaving because they realized we had hundreds of thousands of troops there, they were nervous about it, you know. And when it comes to what we're dealing with now with the Ukraine and everything that's going oh, on, I
1: never thought it, that. it
0: directs itself directly back to the point that it's a country that's literally right next to Russia. In other words, I'll give you an example. Do you guys remember the, the, the that partisan hack um Sarah, Sarah Palin, Palin yeah. everyone was making fun of how dumb she was, how stupid this... Le- oh, she's so stupid. And there was this uh, interview that she did, I believe it was with ABC, yeah. and they asked her about the Bush Doctrine, yeah. right? They said, oh, the Bush Doctrine. I, I Listen, I'm going to tell you what I've been telling everybody else on this tour about this particular point. They laughed at her because she didn't know what the Bush Doctrine was, right? And all the while that these like neoliberal hacks were laughing at her and Democrats were laughing at her. What they didn't realize is that Barack Obama would then come along and complete the Bush doctrine. What was the Bush doctrine? The question that she couldn't answer, knocking over countries that were opposed to our foreign uh, policy and installing friendly regimes that would then be welcoming and opening to the military of the United States. So during the presidency of Barack Obama, who did we overthrow? We overthrew Tunisia. Egypt, we replaced with a military dictator. We gave them the farce of having a choice. Um, we decided to re enter Iraq and Afghanistan with more troops. Um, they overtook Syria. But one thing that I remind people is that we invaded the Ukraine and we split that country in half and the ukraine is actually the sister country to russia that's yeah. not that wasn't a small thing it was not a non-big deal i think what people tend to uh, uh, not understand or downplay in the american media is how big of a deal that actually was that vladimir putin had to have troops that were then diverted from other places and put regular troops there and lose hundreds of people and particularly the rumor goes that he lost someone that was a a, a friend of his child and he, it sent him into a fucking rage and he was just like "I this is disgusting I mean mind you I used to be at RT a lot and yeah. do mad interviews yeah yeah and yeah whoa 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 you know why that stopped because I started bringing up this thing called Chechnya which is like this Russia does, Russians in the government hate talking about that because it wasn't like they were Muslim fanatics there no it was as if Florida said to the United States, no, nah, we're not doing this shit. This is bullshit. You got to levy these taxes and all this stuff is unfair and the way that we don't get our voice counted. And imagine the rest of the United States just invaded like yeah. Florida and fucking destroyed yeah. them and ripped them to pieces and then rebuilt them. False and, flags and right, some right. shit
1: there too with that theater shooting, right? So where
0: everybody they- came around exactly. And not just that, but then a series of other small ones that kind of, w- whether they're true or not, reinforce the idea that they had in the first place so when you look at the ukraine you find that russia was then sent a message bro we're at your fucking door right how is it that people don't see these things we structure and position ourselves in places and then we never leave right russia and china were perfectly conscientious of these things which is why they chose to use whatever means to try and have the united states at war with itself now where as to where the other stuff comes in. That's a whole nother conversation. But back to the original topic. So Russia's origination actually comes from the Ukraine. It doesn't come from Novgorod or St. Petersburg. No, uh, the Rus were led by Vladimir of Kiev, and Kiev is in the Ukraine, and that's where they... they see themselves. For example, they were the inheritors to the Byzantine Empire in their mind, and they carried on Orthodox Christianity because of their relationship with them on the Black Sea, and that relationship began because what? The Crimea and because of the eastern coast of the Ukraine that's there. When we cut their country in half, there are two interesting things for people to research. One is that the Crimea for your fan base has an incredible large stockpile of nuclear warheads, something that the, the uh, Americans were very very eager to get a a hold on and the russians remember they said we'd rather split this country in two and what's the parable of solomon remember he brought the baby in front of the two women back in like ancient babylonia and was like yo you want to split them in half and the greedy woman said yeah i'll split the baby in half and we'll split the inheritance and the woman that was really her mother said no i I would rather you know she had the baby if she don't die Right. In the days where children were sacrificed to Moloch and shit like that. Dude, but dark hearts, black cube. But, but, but the crazy part is that in this particular point, Russia and the United States were willing to split the baby. They were willing to say, fuck, the Ukraine will rip it in half. Not only because that, but there's an also unwritten thing that there are a series of, uh, of settlements uh, like that are underwater from where uh, the ocean hadn't reached at that particular time that are maybe, I, I think... I don't know how many miles offshore, but I, I looked it up a few times and there are like some ancient settlements from, I want to say, 10,000 years ago, some pyramid-like structures. We're talking about the Neolithic era, things that would rapidly th- cause us to redefine our sense of history. For sure. And I think that those are things that they're very interested in people not finding. And whatever you know, government can control things like that, they're just as valuable, if not more valuable, than Knowledge a nuclear is weapon. Powered.
1: Right knowledge is power so you know we're getting some geopolitical stuff i i wanted to talk to you about uh, a post i put up about the uh Gangsta cia rap. Yeah. gangster rap and <laughs> yeah. i was like oh no did i just piss them off no 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 no. i was, I was just you know <laughs> i was interested in you because we've done you know we have professor griffon mm-hmm. and we've talked about the dark arts in the hip-hop community and then the role of the hip hop music when it goes, may- maybe I'm wrong and I'm romanticizing the earlier days, but it was more uplifting to this crime rhyme stuff that, and I could be wrong on that as well. Like, what is your whole take on it? Because you felt that that was inaccurate. And well, uh, th- here's the thing so it, it's inaccurate
0: in the sense that it wasn't invented. Specifically for that purpose. In other words, people used it. Like a friend of mine hit me up, matter of fact, about that post and was like, You don't think that's actually what happened? And then I said to him, I think the same thing I said on the post. Like, for example, the CIA uses like jujitsu techniques, they use Krav Maga, they use all these kind of uh, physical art techniques, the NSA, all these secret government agents, the deep state agencies, the people that can kill you with like that little five, <laughs> you know, that that mock ones. palm hard touch yeah. of death. Right. But it would be a disservice to the g- generations of Sifus and the generations of people that invented uh, Jiu-Jitsu or took uh, it from that, that place and say, okay, they invented it for that purpose. No, it was invented for a totally different reason and then taken and co-opted. And I think that's a big thing that your viewership needs to, I guess, if I could impart anything to them, more than creation, what people who come along and... Want to push the kind of dark, evil shit that happens in the world. They co opt something that's pure. So uh, uh, the, the Antichrist is not going to be a socialist. The Antichrist is going to be uh, a right wing conservative Christian that fits along with all of you, that says, no, everything's about Jesus. And then, na- na- no, the, the devil knows the Bible better than any living man. He, uh, he was there with God in the beginning, allegedly. So what we have in terms of this understanding is that it's never going to be in the way that you imagine it. Co-option means that we need to create a Trojan horse for us to come into you or into your movement and then be able to overtake it. So was hip-hop co-opted? Absolutely, 100%. Um, but I think that what makes it so interesting is that in my research... Um, into the Middle Passage, I discovered some very interesting things. For example, during the Middle Passage, over 10,000 individual instruments from Africa were destroyed by, by European slavers. And these instruments uh, provided the backdrop for the word, uh, these kind of uh, spoken word songs that have been passed down for thousands of years. And when people say, oh, how can you pass down something for thousands of years? Easily, with a melody with music because no one here or no one listening to your program learned the alphabet from a numerical scale even if you learned Hebrew first you learned it which is numbers based on letters or letters based on numbers but what you learned it from is a musical scale that's everything in your life comes from music and what's interesting is what they took away from African people is they took away their spoken word language built to music and those 10,000 instruments were then obliterated and part of the culture in which they taught people and what we're philosophizing now is that hip-hop is not just the creation of good music by you know the descendants of slaves that wanted to you know have a better backdrop for their misery no they're trying to reclaim the sounds that were lost those instruments that were lost those that music that was gone and what were those songs about? Well, they weren't about bitches, right? They They weren't about money. No, they were about what does it mean to be a father, right? Is it being tough or is it being a provider? Is being masculine about making another man feel small or is it about making every single man in that room respect you because you're that big, right? How do you defeat an enemy? Do you defeat an enemy by going after his weak points, making fun of his sneakers because he's poor? Yeah. Right? Do you make fun of a guy because he can't afford a winter coat? Is that the way you do it? No, you don't defeat your enemy. He's not even your enemy. You, know, you defeat an enemy by turning his strong points into his weak points. And your enemy is usually not the average ordinary person you see. When I said on Volume 1, the, the, like when I said... It's not the average, ordinary white man I'm going to run across in the street. It's the person I can't see. It's the people that stand behind these ideas. So I think what's interesting about kind of uh, uh, the structure of music in that sense is that it's been co-opted many times. So when we see like hip hop today, it's definitely something that was not just co-opted by, let's say, the the uh, the prison industrial complex. But I think if we're going with your metaphor, we can say that it was then re opted by a pharmaceutical industry For sure I mean, how could someone not make that particular argument now? However, did those people invent those drugs? No, no, no. they were that. invented for a totally different reason But then they were particularly pushed by these companies. Even the drugs themselves weren't made for that purpose. They're allegedly made for people with horrific injuries, Oxycontin, motherfuckers get their leg blown off, shit like that. And I, I know a lot of vets because my brother was a Marine, uh, chief warrant officer too. So he, he did two tours in Iraq, two tours in Afghanistan. And you know, a lot of the guys that I would meet, um, not just because of him, but a lot of my other friends, like people don't know I was going to go into the Marines before I, uh, I went to prison. So I still caught up with some of the guys that were trying out for the OCS program and like I I talked to them and some of them were like, yo, a lot of our homies, um, they're, um, they're really struggling and they can't afford these drugs to get like that extra shrapnel that's stuck in them. So you know what they do? They take a $10 bag of heroin and they take a little, they micro dose in the morning, Sam, and then they lean out at night so they can get through the night without the pain. And you have to ask yourself another interesting question. When we hear about soldiers that commit suicide we hear a lot about people that are um just brothers that enlisted but we don't hear a lot about officers and it's not just because they're less officers than there are people who just signed up no it's because officers are given special privileges by the military and in other words they're not just seen as a captain Or major or colonel, they're seen as an asset. They're seen as uh, uh, an investment. So they undergo psychological training that maybe they don't think the average ordinary troop is worth, and that's something to consider. That America will say, "Hey, man, you know here, why are they? Why are these people killing themselves less? Why is it that officers kill themselves less?" Right. Whereas in Vietnam, they were getting fragged because people were like, I'm not staying in this goddamn jungle. Why? What the fuck, yo? You're trying to win another stripe on your uniform and all of us are going to fucking die here. Yep. So it, it was really structured from, from that perspective. And when I, when I look at it, I can say, wow, that speaks volumes for how... Government in general, regardless of whether there's a Democrat or Republican in charge, really view the people. Because again, they're parties of business. And if it's good for business, and the military then becomes a business over the course of these past few decades, you know, the pharmaceutical hospital industry becomes a business. See, this is the problem I have always feared that happens. And it's probably gotten me into a lot of arguments, which is why I've gotten very much a disdain for the capitalist system because I think that it's based on providing things that are absolutely necessary and should be given to people on a for-profit basis. And for-profit is like worshipping a a, a demonic entity because you're, you're not doing things out of the kindness of your heart. You're not arming Americans because you believe in the Second Amendment. Please, you know, that's like the people who think that the communists during you know the time of Gorbachev were sitting there talking about Marx and Lenin. No, they weren't. They were sitting there talking about the resources. They were getting out linear charts and discussing what they were getting money from around the world, what resources they could take advantage of. So in this same respect, these people are looking at this situation and say, well, what can we get out of this? What can we take out of this in this respect? It's not loyal to the party ideology. In the same sense, when you look at capitalism itself, It's a 15th century Ponzi scheme that was invented in England. And we've had more updates on a fucking iPhone than we've had to our system. So when I tell the people, like, we've gone through 15 iPhones in 10 years. And yet you think that this system, which is a predatory system of loans, which takes advantage of people, is the best thing that you could come up with. You know that you've been lying to yourself. Like, you're smart, people. All right. You know what the fuck is up. You know that both of these systems are archaic systems that are now failing. And if you want to talk to me about the failure of communism, I say, sure, it's failed on several instances. And people usually blame the economic system. But then we've had plenty of failed states that are capitalist systems, but instead we blame the economic system and not the regime. When in reality, capitalism failed here in the United States during the Bush administration and it failed during the Obama administration. We bailed out to the tune of trillions of dollars. Banks, we, you know, gave kickbacks to military contractors to the tune of trillions. I mean, excuse me, of billions because we couldn't maintain the specific presence that we had there with the military and it had to be replaced by quote-unquote contractors so yeah I'm, I'm really harsh on 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 those particular systems but you know when people say oh well you know don't you like sell your music and stuff like that and i'm like okay i, I get what you're doing you're reaching for hypocrisy instead of dealing with what we're dealing with here, which is a very, very interesting tactic that people use in debates. Instead of staying on topic for more than three minutes, they can't stay on topic for one minute. If you want to talk about uh, people that sell their music and put artistry out, um, that was something that was predating any communist or capitalist system in the world. People have always been paid for their artistry since the very beginning of time, Um, how they were paid is a completely different story. Whether they were paid with status, whether they were paid with having some position in some quasi-theocratic indigenous government, that's a different story. But people have always been rewarded for artistry. In other words, that Neanderthal that drew all that shit on the cave was getting more pussy than anybody else in that fucking cave, all right? The reality is, it is what it is. So the, the idea that I think that, you know, and I know we don't have a lot of time. I would love to just come on a podcast, smoking, Dude, L, smoking L with everybody, have the room go crazy. But I think one of, the, one of the things that blew my mind in the research and touching this is that, and your fans will love this, is that I discovered that human beings didn't invent music. Right, And that's weird, we say, well, who invented music? God, God no, human beings invented Composition, uh, the restructuring And writing of things at the same time And other Africans invented the idea That you would be able to restructure This music, and again and again and again It would mean the same fucking thing But, we're predated On this planet by another Hominid species, the only other Hominid species, by the way, that has A speech gene, and those are Neanderthals And they uh, arrived on earth scene about two million years ago. So human beings, the earliest fossil records are found about 215,000 years ago. So we're predated by them for about, I'd say, uh, 1.8 million years. And then Neanderthals die out about 40,000 years ago. So we had them in and around human existence for 160,000 years. Ask yourself, ladies and gentlemen at home, watching a tinfoil podcast, (laughs) um, what else in human history do we have or have we had for 160,000 years? Nothing. Not animal domestication, right? Not haircuts, right? Nothing. We've had nothing for 160,000 years. Not even, like I said, not a fucking pet dog. They were still wolves that were eating our ancestors. Like That's the crazy part. But one beautiful thing that we inherited from Neanderthals is music. Before the advent of human beings, they had bone flutes. The primitive xylophone scale is built off what? Ribs of an animal that they would play when they would see a a, a hollow tree stump. They would empty out the tree stump and put over anthropologists have seen have they put over an animal skin on top of the tree stump and beat it like a drum. Imagine a human being, without music in its world. The only sound you hear is the growling of animals at night, the 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 howling of the wind. You know, the raging of the river, that's it, but no organized sound, and far away in the distance, you see a fire, and by it, you see people that kind of look like you, but they're mad more bulky, only they're not hateful people, and Neanderthals are really, really, uh, 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 a lot of the... the, the sensationalizing in Hollywood about them—they're like ultra violent—is totally wrong. They weren't cannibals. They weren't maniacs. They didn't attack people for nothing. They were like gentle giants that just wanted to live in peace. And you know, maybe they liked a, a, a woolly mammoth burger now and then, but they weren't killing babies and sacrificing. Right. So I think what, what's interesting is that we, as a, uh, as a, as human beings in our early dawn and emotional nakedness, we saw these pe- these quasi people, these other hominids making music. And we did the best thing that we've ever done as a human species. We copied them. Yeah. And we learned to copy everybody else around them. We learned, oh, the wolves hunt in packs. Fuck. We need to hunt in packs. These Neanderthals, man, they're living it up at night. Everybody's fucking. They put these big trees on the fire. Then everyone closes their eyes small and laughs with each other. Like, what is the tree that they put on the fire? Like, oh, my God, what did they do? Like, man, they, they, they fuck one person and that's it. And they love that person forever that's so weird and that we're out here, weird. like you know. <laughs> but you see, it was right for them, and we're still <laughs> fucked up by that, right? Thousands of years later, we can't deal with that. He's <laughs> a man; it's not enough for us, right? And yet, the Neanderthal who was so uncivilized loved one woman. You my boo boo for life, dude, baby.
1: You know, you're the <laughs> shit, man. I think everybody's ready to uh, get ready get for your here. big show. I can't thank you enough, dude. Thank you, man, nah, next time, please come in. I want to talk to you about aliens, Everything. anti, sure, you know. Sure, sure. Angel- Civilizations. All that. All that shit that sure, I really absolutely. love, man. Maybe ghosts, multiple dimensions. I'm all down. that shit. Let's do it. I would love it, man. Congratulations on your tour. Thank man, you. Man, good luck tonight. Kill that shit. Dude, that was one of the fucking best. Most fun times <laughs> I've had on the show listen to you spit that shit, and I appreciate you, dude. So thank you so much. Thank One you. more time, just tell them where they can find all your tour dates and right. on Technique Tuesdays or something. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, YouTube Technique Tuesdays. Um, we do an update every Tuesday,
0: so please subscribe. And then I'm on Facebook and uh, uh, Instagram. Although I think I'm shadow banned. Uh, but anyway, welcome if you, if to the club. If you can find me on there, uh, you know I'm Tech Immortal. And then uh, on Twitter, I'm Immortal Tech, and uh, yeah, just out there talking the truth, and then the record is called The Middle Passage, and it comes out early next year, Um, and we got all kind of production, DJ Premier, um, Tom Morello did something, we have uh, uh, Ali Shaheed Mohammed from Tribe Called Quest, my brother Southpaw, uh, Scram Jones, and just a a bunch of people that really... uh, put their heart and soul into the project and i can't leak everybody's name yet but you know we got a lot of gems on there
1: well we look forward to hearing everything and you got to do man we'll do it you, again man. soon thank great you, show thank you guys for tuning in we'll see you guys soon we'll see you guys in vegas man come out and rock